It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Today is Sunday, July 23rd, 2017. This is Celtic Speed on the CLNS Media Network, and I am Larry H. Russell. It is the fourth Sunday of the month, and the Celts are still not done with their offseason. Spending to the salary cap, the Celtics are still active in the market, officially bringing two more players into the fold this week. But the big question, is there still more to come? Celtics Director of Player Personnel, Austin Ainge, here with us on episode number 219 of Celtics Beat being presented by ZipRecruiter and HelloFresh. So when will us in the media be permitted from dedicating a shrivel of our attention from anything but the Celts? I mean, are you guys done yet? Seriously. Never done, Larry. You know better than that. Good. I was worried, though, about your well-being, too, because, I mean, I want you to focus on... I want you to focus on leisurely activities and getting eight hours of sleep. No, I'm good, man. I'm good. Because, of course, the reason for that is... I want you to be sharp for broadcasts like this, Austin. And that being episode number 219 of Celtics Beat being presented by Zip Recruiter and HelloFresh. HelloFresh.com slash Beat30, B-E-A-T-3-0 for $30 off your first delivery for the tastiest meal kit delivery service. Here with Austin Ainge, Celtics Director of Player Personnel. Last time you were here, Austin, Christmas morning, the real one, yes, December 25th, we released the broadcast. You were set to travel out west after the new year for uh, scouting various collegiate prospects. I- I'd love to call this show our official off-season in-review show, but it is not, as you have advised. So that is going to have to be saved for another Sunday, believe it or not. So, But nonetheless, we're going to deep dive upon just about everything of relevance that has happened over these past uh, two months uh, or so throughout the course of this broadcast. And I should first ask, <laughs> what is... What has your everyday life been like since the draft lottery? Because it's if it's been overwhelming for us fans, Lord knows what it's like for a high-ranking team exec. Boy, yeah, that's a big time span. Uh, some of those things uh, seem years ago. I, I think we made the trade with Philly um, with the draft picks a month ago or so, and it, that feels like a lifetime ago. A lot has happened. Uh, it, it's 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 a lot of fun, though, Larry. A lot of uh, a lot of big moves you know these have been important years for us the last couple years with with cap space and a million draft picks and um, a good team so it, it's a it's a lot of work but it's a lot of fun it's an exciting time to be 
part of the Celtics front office, that's the, for sure. There were a lot of transactions, as I've known now, over the last month and a half. It really sapped my energy a little bit. I confess to that. There's nothing wrong with saying that. It really got at me. I think I did a show. And this is even – I will. I really wanted to call this our official off-season and review show, but you just sort of gave it away in the sense that it's never over. So I, I guess I'm going to push that back another two weeks or so. And I know you're involved in the draft, and you did allude to that, that trade with Philly and, and that transactions. And we can get to the draft or, or even that deal with Philly because, like I said, um, you know, there's just really so, you know, so much to get to. And I can say stay tuned for this, but it is a podcast after all. Listeners can skip to wherever. There are timestamps in the show description if you're listening on the CLNS Media mobile app. And in this case, I wouldn't advise to skip because, Austin, I'll ask point blank. Are the Celtics better at this present moment on this Sunday? to the team that was in the East Finals way back yonder in May of 2017? I think so. I think so, but uh, but time will tell. We have a lot of new pieces. You know, we got we, uh, we have some key guys returning, but we have a lot of uh, new, you know, obviously Gordon Hayward and Marcus Morris and Aaron Baines and Jason Tatum, along with uh, lots of other young guys, um, have been added to the roster. So, um, we'll have to see how everybody comes together, but I, I think the overall talent level is is better. We're not allowed to reference players who are now no longer on the team. Is that correct? We can just uh, safely hope that our highly intellectual audience can put everything together and, and know what we were me- mentioning. Because the Celtics no, we can reference. Okay, yeah. all right, okay, that's very good because. You know, it's it's funny. I actually had you know a few many people you know bring it up to me saying, "Hey, here's my quote unquote hot take." The Celtics, with all of said additions, may not very well be better than they were last year because we, we think of the Celtics signing Gordon Hayward, having a top three selection in the draft, making some other veteran additions. Yet because there were so many transactions, it actually does make you forget about the loss of Avery. And I know you were a, hu- you were a huge Avery Bradley fan. You would used to go out of, you know, out of your way on this broadcast to talk about him. And of course, the loss of Kelly Olenek. So it, it actually did make me wonder. You would, you would say, you know, Listen, I, I, I personally think the Celtics are better, not just on paper. I think it will play out at the end of the day next season. Of course, once again, barring major injuries or what or whatnot, that they are a better team. But it is actually a fair question to ask that they may not be better than the last year's team. Yeah, I mean, look, Avery and Kelly and Amir also, who we didn't talk about, um, played big roles on our team and did a lot of good things for us. Um, but you know, it's, it's the nature of the NBA guys contracts are up. Um, and I think we're better this year and, and even more important, I think we're better suited, um, for the next, uh, few years, which is, uh, which is also very important. Was there, was that the primary mindset of this off season was to be better suited and better situated after this season or was there really I mean the or was or did the organization go about saying okay I mean let's let's specifically cite Gordon Hayward now he you know he was I mean he was the signing was made official not this Friday but I believe this past Friday so we can obviously talk about him but yeah I mean you know we we, because we've we've had um the luxury of a lot of draft picks over the last few years I think uh we have some decent depth and we've we've gotten lucky in some trades and signings where we've gotten some role players on lower contracts so the the top end of our roster 
is really the goal. I mean, you got to have really good players, Larry, as you know. And and uh, when Isaiah wasn't on the court last year, we did have some offensive lulls when we played the very, very best teams. Um, we didn't always. You're you know, referencing that stretch in December, right? Not the playoffs. No, I'm just talking in general. Even mm-hmm. even normal games when when Isaiah's on oh, the bench, right? Oh, just not be right? on the floor. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thinking mean, about I'm, the I'm time just... he was out with the injury, and they did lose games like the Spurs and the Thunder and and Toronto, sure. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, I, I think everybody realizes how all the Celtics fans can see how important another offensive creator and scoring threat is for us that that Gordon Hayward can add. I mean, he's he's a legitimate. Uh, threat off the ball and on the ball and, uh, and and a two-way player. So, I mean, it's a huge addition to our franchise. Oh, interesting, because I was going to ask, you know, we were talking about sacrifices, and, you know, there were a lot, you know, there were technically, uh, you know, some sacrifices that needed to be made. So, sticking on the theme of sacrificing, how much do you think that the Celtics sacrificed defensively uh, with how they built this team this year as opposed to what they ended up losing? I think um, I think we'll be a better defensive team next year, and that's not um, about any of the individual players we lost. Actually, we're, we're all pretty good defensively, but uh, obviously Avery's an amazing defender. Um, but I, I feel like uh, we add more size, right? Gordon is 6'8", Marcus Morris is 6'9", Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum have size. You know, Marcus, I think, will play less three and more one and and more and some two you know i, I think smart. i think marcus smart sorry yes yeah. thank you two marcuses now um but uh I, I just think that we'll have more positional size um uh and more flexibility there two through four um will have more size on on the roster and on the floor just so you know quick caveat one thing I'm still having I, – I went into this interview still thinking like, okay, I cannot mention specific players and I have you know, have had that really – and you said, oh, no, you can. You can talk about Avery. You can talk about Kelly. And in this case, I was trying to specifically mention Avery, yet I've gone into this knowing that, oh, I just can't talk about that, you know, that I have and I have. And uh, also, too, I mean, if, if I may interject, I assume the organization does expect some sort of leap from Jalen Brown and thus not just more size, but, you know, what I even said uh, last week with uh, David Aldridge and, and I – I think even Danny LaRue, and I hope I didn't undercut Danny LaRue by short-selling him in that uh, regard, is I think that they're going to be a lot longer because I think that Jalen Brown is is going to play a lot more, not, not a lot more, but a, a bigger role as he did when he started at shooting guard in Avery's absence last year. And I think that will, I think, help in the length and agility department as well. Yeah, we expect Jalen to be better. We expect Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier to make strides, right? Those guys that, at, at that age... Um, can really can really improve still and and they have the ability and the athleticism to help us on the defensive end and the offensive end brief pause in the action to utilize this time for a brief announcement on behalf of the clns media network clns media's new website clnsmedia.com is set to launch this fall and will feature audio and video content across all realms of our everyday lives Building upon our incredible success as the leading online provider of audio video coverage for the Boston Celtics, CLNS Media is expanding in the fields of finance, law, current events, entertainment, and of course, sports. 
From the legendary Bob Ryan to Jim Grant, the network will feature independent, original, and unique forms of broadcasting available to you, our loyal consumer on the free CLNS Media Network mobile app and its YouTube channel at youtube.com slash clnsmedia. And as we say, do not sit on the sidelines as we make history. Get on board the White Hot CLNS Express. We are hiring both AV production, graphic design, staff writing, social media to work alongside our celebrity personalities. And we are doing so utilizing ZipRecruiter where we get all of our candidates in one place with just one click. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan to try it for free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. You hate this question, but I love this question, so I just look at it as a wash. So, therefore, it's even. But I was going to say, do you have, like, an envisioned starting five or an envisioned Celtics rotation here on the third Sunday in July? Where you just think, I know you can say, oh, so much is going to change. Preseason, training camp. And we know. But do you have sort of, like, you know, you ever just, like, you know, whenever you do meditate or reflect – you think you take a deep breath and say, "Yeah, yeah," because I know that mind does winder, Austin. Oh, I've I've uh, I've penciled some possibilities out, Larry, and and uh, I think uh, I think Brad will uh, experiment. Um, I, I also think that um, that people maybe worry about it too much. The closing lineup matters quite a bit, um, but really, we need our best eight, nine, ten players to play well and and to uh and to give brad options based on matchups and how guys are playing and how guys are fitting together um i think that that matters we, we need our top nine players to be really good more than we need uh to figure out exactly who's starting no, i was gonna say i mean feel free to you know echo what you penciled out in your minds with said top nine here Oh no! I'm going to let Brad do that uh, throughout the season, and uh, I'm going to let guys earn it before I uh, just throw it out there what I see. But um, these are—it would just be a guess anyway. So I think we should let uh, the players duke it out a little bit. A little competition's good. Well, feel free to pass that message along to Brad, and Brad can once again—he can be the one who plays spokesperson on this particular broadcast. That would, <laughs> that would be. Well, Larry, during the year when I'd listen to your show every now and again, you were always so concerned about Brad's rotations and if Kelly Olenek played this game this many or or, or Amir, right? So I'm, I'm going to pick on you a little bit here. Um, you know, sometimes it's it's okay to switch it up. It's okay to change based on matchups. Or and, and there's also a lot of health things that uh, we we don't we can't always disclose all of that bumps and bruises and so uh coaches switch that stuff up quite a bit and I, I think brad will again this year well what do you want me to talk about during the celtic season i mean there's only so much i can dedicate this show to grass-fed <laughs> uh, I, it's a good point well, i know you're involved with the draft i mean we talk about you know, we talk about that so much and, and this is going to allow us I, I guess you can throw whatever you want to say on the philadelphia trade but we may as well sort of just go to jason tatum and, and i just have one theory and I talk about this with Jeff Goodman is that you know it doesn't seem like Danny Ainge seems to mind players who may be lukewarm coming to Boston as long as they're established veterans however there seems to be a okay I can call it a trend as in the last two drafts both Jalen and Jason Tatum 
Jalen Brown, of course, uh, have offered you know enthusiasm both publicly and I would venture to guess privately, judging from what Jeff has reported and what those players have said themselves publicly to the media, enthusiasm about being Celtics more so than their peers or those who they were drafted around. I mean, is there anything to that? How much? I know, obviously, you know, you or or anyone else, Mike, Mike Zarin. Danny Ainge or anyone else who was involved in the decision-making process, but how much to that does the organization value in players like Tatum and Jalen who seemed like they wanted to be Celtics more than anyone else who was drafted around them? I I don't – I'm not sure that that's true, Larry. I mean you can never know. I, I don't claim to read these guys' brains, but we talk to all these kids and they're all excited, man. They, they – I, I mean, except for except for Lonzo Ball, who didn't um, come and talk to us and work out with us, I, everyone else was very excited. And uh, this year, and I'm trying to even remember last year, I felt like, uh, except for the the guy who was slated to be number one, who didn't need us at number three, everyone else was very excited to be part of the Celtics organization. So I, I don't think uh, that really was a huge impact um in our decision making it's always nice and, and they're they're really nice kids uh which is a big part we, we we put a lot into the character and work ethic and and their off-court life and their their drive to be great that's a huge thing with 19 year olds who you know none of which are, are really ready yet they all need to get a lot better so um it, it's more about their physical tools their and then their their internal drive that's what we're looking at more than anything maybe my mindset is swayed too from watching so many post-draft press conferences and all the coverage that clns does when they talk about how much they you know they they you know talk about being a celtics okay when i may ask point blank why did you guys pick tatum uh his his size his brain his beautiful shooting touch and his uh, his versatility uh Br- brad really likes the idea of having a bunch of six six to six nine guys that are inter- interchangeable and multi-positional and multi-talented, you know, the, the skill level and is really amazing for for his size and uh, combine that with his personal character and drive. We think he has a chance to be great. Yeah, and, and then and then on top of it, you know, we we got. Uh, we got a chance to draft another player of his caliber either next year or the year after, which is uh, which is was another huge part of it. You know, Wick. After the, and may as well. I was going to give you sort of one final parting shot as a post mortem towards the the end of our chat on the Philadelphia trade. Like I said, it's actually been so long ago. You know, we may have even forgot, even forgot, even what you know what yourself may have been thinking at the time, but. You know, it, it did. I do remember Wick specifically saying that it, he made some sort of religious correlation of what would have to happen uh, if the Celtics were to part with the number one overall pick. I can't remember. Was it sort of like a, a godfather offer or something to do with, with – with, I, I don't even know what, what it was. Is that exactly sort of what happened with the organization? They were given said, said godfather offer. and I mean, could you sort of take me back and or take us back and, and tell as much as you are, you know, feel comfortable in saying of what really went into that decision-making process? Because – from us on the outside, that seemed like it happened like over the course of 36 hours. There was, hey, Markel Fultz's you know, workouts weren't all that great. Then the next thing you know, 36 hours later was that Friday afternoon at around 4 o'clock when you know, the Philadelphia trade seemed done. And of course, another 20 hours after that, it was officially completed. So sort of take us back to that, um, what was it, like 
six days before the draft, six to eight days before the draft, where everything seemed, at least for me, it happened very, very fast. Yeah, no, I mean, these things happen um, sometimes fast. This one wasn't particularly fast. Uh, You know, it's hard to know sometimes when or why some things are in the media and some things aren't. Uh, But, you know, valuing the number one pick, I think what happens there, Larry, is it starts theoretical, and the number one pick is obviously a very valuable asset to have. And then as you get deeper and deeper into these players, the specific players on the board, it becomes less theoretical and, and more about the exact names, right? And then when you're sitting there and you're going, okay, who do we want? And, um, and, and if we, we felt in the end like we were going to take Jason Tatum, either way, then we go, hey, maybe we can still get him and move down. And that, that's kind of the process. Was Jason? I mean, I'm going to keep. I'm going to continue to shout Jeff Goodman because we like him, and we like him because he literally appears on this show whenever we ask him, even at the most hectic times, as in a couple hours after the draft. So I'll give him his little hot take shout out. He called Jason Tatum the most impressive player in the summer league. Now I'm not going to say that you have to say that, but that is sort of a way for me to lead into you giving Jason Tatum a summer league appraisal and what we've seen of Tatum thus far and. And once again, what seemed like eons ago now, NBA Summer League, wow, last week yeah, to two weeks yeah. ago. Yeah, Jason Jason played great. He's uh, He can really shoot. He can pass. His defense was better than, than we even thought. We really put the uh, kind of emphasis on him to work on that because we, we thought it was – wasn't maybe his best feature at Duke and and he played tough good defense and uh he's uh he's really got a a maturity about him not just as a person but but as a player he he's got a good feel for the game it it comes easy to him picking things up learning new skills new schemes uh it it comes naturally to him and uh, we were extremely uh, excited after having him in summer league we we like him even more than uh, than we thought is that a facet that you think is, is one that he has the potential to improve most upon is his defense? I mean, Jeff, I mean, I'm citing Jeff because, listen, I don't watch as much college basketball as he does. He actually said he could be a little questionable in the NBA no matter how intelligent, no matter high, how high his basketball IQ is. It, you know, it is defensively, it may even then not come together all, you know, all for him. Yet there were times, I don't really want to attribute this to Brad, yet whatever reason this is mushing together for me, in that the organization did feel that he had the potential to have some versatility, at least defensively, maybe not be you know a lockdown at numerous positions. But is there potential there for him to improve on what is pretty much identified for him as a weakness coming into the league? Oh, absolutely. There, there's a there's. I mean, look, he just needs to get stronger, um, and he'll learn he'll learn the techniques. Like I said, he picks things up super quick. Already in summer league, we saw big big jumps there. And uh, I mean, when you're tall and you're smart. Um, that's that's half the battle, and then he just needs to get stronger for a few matchups. And the other half, I assume, is just being able to make shots and put the ball in the basket. It's really that simple, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that, that facetious part, he's, he's always done. That was yeah, a that part, he's always question. done. Yeah. Are there any other summer league impressions that you had? I, I confess I caught the first few games in Utah. Of course, I saw the glorious moment of his, of his game winner in the first game, I believe. But I was not able to catch much in Vegas. So uh, we had Danny here and, and David Aldridge here last week to help me out and, of course, you know, uh, bestow their intellect on the audience themselves. But may as well go to the first-hand source, Austin. And, and what other impressions that you had? Obviously, I know Semi Oljale was someone who jumped right out. Ante Zizic was someone who... Everyone had an eye on going into summer league because there seems to be a little bit of an onus on him next year. 
uh, really just take the floor on really just any musings when it comes to Vegas Summer League? Oh, boy, I've got a lot. It's hard uh, because we had so many of our guys playing. (laughs) Lay it all out, baby. I don't forget anyone. Um, I I thought Jason played great. I thought uh, Jalen played well. We we were, you know, Jalen's numbers weren't as eye-popping because we were moving him around. We were playing with him at some at point guard even and just just kind of – experimenting with Jalen using him in different spots uh, but he was he was really good um Shemi was unbelievable defensively we had him guarding centers and switching onto point guards Brad was experimenting with him using him as a uh switch on everybody type of guy defensively and and uh and he did remarkably well his his lateral quickness for a 245 pound guy is is ridiculous I thought Ante, uh, the game was moving a little fast for him in Utah, played great in Vegas, um, which has happened sometimes. Uh, let's see, who else? Um, Jabari Bird had some good games. Kadeem Allen is a great defensive player, had some good games. Um, who else? Oh, you, you, Ab- Abdul, I Nader. Need... Abdul Nader. Right, Abdul Nader. Abdul Nader played, uh, is a great offensive player, had some really good games. So I think that's all of our draft picks that you... played. You know, you referenced uh, Jason Tatum needing to get stronger. That, of course, sent off a little trigger for me. Uh, this, I can even really just finish on this. And it's a very general question. And it's something that I've actually, I've written numerous columns. Uh, I would love to say on the old CLNS media website about it. About sports science really being the next frontier. And I know that sort of correlates with the new technology that's going to be in the practice facility. And as we all know, it's a lot more. I mean, everything from neurology goes into it, uh, recovery. It's a lot more than I would love to say. Eat your protein. Go to HelloFresh.com. Use code BEAT30 to get you know uh, high-quality ingredients delivered right to your doorstep. But, it, it, you know, the organization, there were some uh, changes that the organization did make over the past 10 days. But that I can generally ask, what type of frontier do you see sports science being? And, of course, you know, what is the Celtics outlook into that? I, I've always looked at it as this being the revolution compared to really what analytics and Moneyball was back in the early 2000s. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's you know, science keeps chugging along, Larry. We keep learning more and, and – uh, Obviously, there's there's always kind of ups and downs in in the science and the studies, but in general, we're we're moving upward and onward to to more and more knowledge, and um, we're just trying to be the best we can be as an organization. Our players are our is is the product, right? The players' health is a huge part, a huge determining factor in our success, and we're just trying to be the best that we possibly can, and. Uh, we feel like we're we're making uh, improvements there. And fittingly, Danny Ainge's own personal little ATM machine, Brian McKean, I think he's got a lifetime deal no matter what, just for that uh, reason on its own right. Austin Ainge, Boston Celtics Director of Player Personnel. I would love to say you're so excited for the season. I'm so excited for the season. Everybody go out and buy tickets right now, even though they're not on sale, so you may as well get season tickets. Uh, but you, I, I do wish well wishes on a we're going to go with sports science recovery process here over the next six weeks or so. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for having me. A spontaneous sound effect, I swear. But nonetheless, uh, an accurate reflection of the musings of one here. Once again, Austin Ainge, Boston Celtics director of player personnel. Great performance 
always authentic and honest with us and and push them as far as as we liably can where we're here to win friends but most importantly the hearts and minds of our dear listeners anyways it may not be most prudent on his or anyone on the Celtics and to give anyone on, on the Celtics the actual roster that is uh, to give any perception whatsoever that there are certain favorites that that they may have even if it is just quote unquote brainstorming in his mind or any's a front office member uh, purveying his favorites for the starting unit and rotation may not be as endearing to the psyche of those names he'd either undersell or god forbid outright leave out definitely a controversy not worthwhile for the organization on july 23rd uh yes let everyone earn their keep in training camp as it will be another interesting one that being camp in preseason and i guess november december and, and god forbid january if it comes to that uh, in as austin alluded to and i think we all know as it's been an under the radar story in its own right with how much is going on, the Celts information landscape has outright erupted over the past 60 days, and so much has been smothered with abstract molten lava. But that that is another season of uh, tremendous roster turnover. You know, really since about the season after the championship year, way back yonder, no, oh my god, 10 years, it's been 10 years since the team lost the title, oh no. But starting in, in 2010-ish, which, I don't know, can you call it the Rasheed Wallace year? Because that was the premier free agent signing that year. Rasheed Wallace, the first quote-unquote major free agent the Celtics have ever signed, or Dominique Wilkins. Uh, anyways, last year was was kind of the exception, where it was predominantly just the addition of Horford, a big addition, yes, but if there's one player in the NBA who can, you know, to use the phrase, quote-unquote, slide right in, it's him. But since uh, the, th- the turn of the decade... Every year, Boston is working in numerous new pieces to not just the rotation, but the starting lineup. The finishing group, too. Uh, in every season for, for a decade now, we really don't know what the starting five is going to be. You know, Back during the title years, or the, the year and a half they were sort of together, it was that Rondo, Ray, Pierce, Garnett, Perkins, the infamous starting five that never lost a playoff series, didn't change, didn't budge at all. Um, and it's more extreme now because whereas with Garnett, Pierce, Ray Allen, we'll mention his name, right? Uh, their top end of the roster was established. Even Rajon Rondo, too. Throw him as he took on a major role starting really in you know, the playoffs in 2009. But the top end of the roster was established. It was more about back then. It was, they had new benches every year. We, we went from Posey and Eddie House to Rasheed Wallace and Marquis Daniels. Uh, and then they had... Who was... Uh, they, 2012. Who were the who were the names that they brought in? That was the infamous strike year. They brought in Brandon Bass to be on the bench. Chris Wilcox didn't have the but they were new bench units every year. But then there were there were some changes. Perkins one year, then it went to Shaq the next. Then Brandon Bass ended up starting. Uh, but as Austin said, now it's the top end talent. One would figure that is. I mean, that's much more of a challenge in that high usage players have. Much to learn both about the system and plays, but developing familiarity and comfort levels with individuals in that they've yet to meet. You know, outside of hi, I play for the Utah Jazz. Oh, hi, I play for the Boston Celtics. Uh, they've really, you know, they have not developed such comfort levels. And, and you know, that that's something that really hasn't been analyzed and was just sort of meant, you know, mentioned in passing by Austin. 
not really been talked about one iota. And not because it's a small tale in its own right. I just think it flat out circles down to that there's been so much transpiring in the organization this summer. It, it really it really has not ended. Uh, that's good business here. It's good business for a podcast. It's good for the roundtable guys who go at it every day talking Celts on the YouTube channel. I, I should definitely give a shout to the Seahawks Media YouTube, not just for those guys on Roundtable who do an incredible job, but all the new Celts, Marcus Morris, Aaron Baines, Mr. Hayward himself, the draft picks, uh, more names coming in now with Shane Larkin. Uh, all their press conferences or conference calls, they're all available in full, in HD, for your consumption at youtube.com slash Media. Subscribe to youtube.com slash Media. Imperative resource for your Celtics lusts. Plenty of ingredients there to keep things fresh uh, as we get into the dog days, as we get into August. Anything that puts Daniel Tyson and Shane Larkin and, and who gets the last roster spot and it puts that sort of off as far as possible, I mean, I'm all for. And also, to the delight of many, there will be no dear God, Jay Crowder signed an endorsement deal with Papa John's. Papa John's makes their pizza with GMO and pesticide-infested dough. Their cheese is pasteurized, thus many enzymes are killed and the protein cannot be adequately digested. That will certainly affect his own personal health, which means so much of the team, both now and in the future, will suffer. Oh no, his solution should be to go to HelloFresh.com and use code BEAT30 for $30 off your first order. Ha. Huh. None of that to the delight of many. Uh, but that, of course, okay, going way back, that, of course, is going to be a major intrigue, that being major rotation minutes needing to be allotted and all all the familiarity and comfort and general chemistry between teammates uh, you know, needing to be honed is going to be another 30-40% of the season of Brad Stevens' quote-unquote lineup experimentation. Uh, can't believe Austin egged me on that one. We come on the air Sunday, as we know. The Celts say lose a game the Friday before. They lost the game because of X, Y, and Z happen. What are we supposed to talk about in this space? What's the alternative? Do what the mainstream outlets in Boston do and either outright ignore the team or create and inflate phony controversies to mask such lack of basketball intellect. We we prefer the former, as, as I'm sure many of you do too. But the summer does allow us to, to certainly be more level-headed. I mean, you know, the Celts, once they, they did make more moves this week, minor more moves, making the tie signing official, Shane Larkin. Uh you know, like by the way, too, can we certainly lay to rest any narratives of the Celts have been proactive enough as what has been placed upon them by those very sources uh, within corporate media? Uh, we certainly can do so with what happened this summer. So, with that, we can move along. As this very party has heard, the Celts still are not done, comma yet. They're still exploring some possibilities. Thus, we cannot put the capper on the offseason quite yet, even though on this end, I certainly would have no, uh, there would be no qualms about it, both uh, as a fan feeling I, you know, they accomplished everything and then some this summer. But the offseason in review broadcast, it lives for another Sunday on Celtic Speed. We will be here every Sunday per usual. But for those of you who still need hourly, not daily, hourly Celtics fixes, Download the CLNS Media Network mobile app. Uh, so that way you can listen to not just this show, but Celtics Roundtable, Celtics Stuff Live, Bob Ryan's podcast. Most importantly, on the go. You don't have to live in front of your laptop or your TV set. We allow you to multitask. Enjoy the weather. 
90 plus degrees four days in a row here in New England. So there should be no reason why uh, you can't satiate your appetite for Celtics news and dialogue while enjoying the fruits of nature and life. We're here for you at CLNS Media. The only game in town for the NBA's winningest franchise, the leading online provider of audio video coverage for the Boston Celtics. Download the app for free in the App Store right now. Because that'll do it here for episode number 219 of Celtics Beat being brought to you by HelloFresh and ZipRecruiter, ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsman to try it for free. Music was provided by Chuck Dietz and Steph Grateau for graphic designer Scott Dillon and the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. This is Larry A. Trussell signing off for Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Media.